Hey everybody, Nitsan Mosri here, the Traveling Investor, and welcome to another edition of the Traveling Investor Show, where we're going to talk about how to master your mind, body, and wallet. And my goal is to bring to you every week a new guest that's going to help you advance yourself either through uh, manifestation, through your mind, through your body, health working out, nutrition, things of that nature, and your wallet, how to improve your financial status so that you can go out and live life on your terms. And today I've got an incredible guest. You know, we talk a lot about real estate and investments in real estate and different aspects of the real estate world. And today what I wanted to do is I wanted to go a little bit different. I wanted to do a little shift. Now, before I continue with that, uh, we are live. So if you have any questions, feel free to type them in and I or my guest will answer your questions live on the show. So as I mentioned, you know, I we there are so many different ways of creating financial freedom for yourself, right? There's a stock market, there's affiliate marketing, there's online marketing, there's drop shipping, there's real estate, there's there's cryptocurrency. We have all these different streams of income that we can create for ourselves that will give us the freedom to do what it is that we want, right? If you're looking to be more philanthropic, if you're looking to give back to your community, if you're looking to create something, you know, leave something to your children so that they can go and leave that to their children, it doesn't make a difference what it is. You need to know the basics. You need to understand what you're investing in. You need to talk to people who have already been there and done that so that you can achieve their success. You know, one of my great mentors, uh, way back over 20 years ago, he once told me, he said, Nitsan, find somebody who has what you want, do what they did, and you'll get what they got. And this is why I put this show together so that I can bring you people that have achieved success in their, in their life, in their relationships, uh, health, mindset, financial freedom, whatever it is. So without any further ado, I want to introduce my, my next guest, uh, Nick. Um, he is the VP of Product Design at Load, L-O-D-E, and that's capital L, capital O, capital D, capital E, which is a blockchain powered by payment ecosystem. With nearly a decade of experience in the tech sector and half a decade in the blockchain industry, Nick is an expert in driving project growth. Using his unique leadership style and vision, he cultivates seamless paths to create value and transcend goals. Uh, he's a firm believer that diversity and strength, or that diversity is strength. I agree with that 100%. Nick has worked in a wide array of industries ranging from cybersecurity, gaming, real estate, entertainment, and blockchain. And Nick is here today to give us an introduction to blockchain technology, its applications, and cryptocurrency. Our discussion will introduce a new and first-of-its-kind cryptocurrency platform backed by gold and silver called Load, or maybe Lode. We'll find out. L-O-D-E. So without further ado, I want to bring on Nick Proton. Nick, did I say your name right, Nick? Your last name? 
I unfortunately you're not in the one percent who gets it right the first time. It's proud, <laughs> but you were very, very close. <laughs> and it's a pleasure to be here, Nate Son. A fantastic <laughs> yeah. introduction. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. A little bit of update though. Um, you know, I was recently promoted to COO of uh load, so um just wanted to put that out there as well. Um, but yeah, largely I'm a Swiss army knife for the company and I play roles within, uh, everything from project management to product design, uh, marketing and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, blockchain, obviously it's on the tip of everyone's tongue right now. It's very relevant in the news cycle. And I'm really excited to have the privilege to come on the traveling investor and talk about my experience within the industry. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I know you're super busy now that with the new promotion of COO and whatnot. So thank you. And, 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 you know, our listeners are, are excited to, to hear what you have to say. So, you know, several years ago, this new thing came to the market, this, this coin, this crypto digital currency, people didn't really know what, what, what was it? It's this new thing called Bitcoin. And then other coins came out, but it's not really a coin. It's, it's a, it's a digital currency. It's something that you can't really touch. And how do you buy with it? How do you sell with it? And then, you know, so people started, you know, hearing more about Bitcoin and Bitcoin took off, right? I think it started out at like a couple of cents, went to a hundred dollars and now it's, it's at 50 something thousand dollars per coin. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and then from there, well, now we have blockchain and then we have master nodes. And when we have all these other things that are evolving from this one coin. So can you break it down for us? What is, first of all, what is a cryptocurrency? Right, that everybody keeps talking about. Then, you know, then we can go on to what is the coin, and 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 we'll you know continue on the path. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it's important to distinguish that that cryptocurrencies are financial tools that sit on a blockchain, and and blockchain is the technology that underpins all of these cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. Right, and what a blockchain is is uh, it's essentially a a piece of technology that allows for a virtual handshake between parties. Um, to perform the same roles that banks do in financial transactions or in any transaction in general. So historically, when you go to a transaction at a bank or uh, at a grocery store, for example, um, you know you have the intermediaries of the Visa payment rails and and the the two uh, participating banks who all parties take a cut in the process. Uh, usually it's put on top of the merchant and um, away you go. What this technology allows you to do is cut out those middle minute almost entirely by, by um, using what's called the consensus algorithm, which is basically a fancy way of saying that there's a large network of computers that, uh, that reach an agreement that the transfer of value is taking place, removing that need for uh, the human element, so to speak. Uh, to to play that intermediary role. Think of it like a uh, a Lego statue, right? So after every transaction or during every transaction, these are stored in blocks, right? And these are like Lego blocks. And you can only build this Lego statue up. You can't take it apart. You can't take apart the Lego once it's once it's connected in there. And this is part of the reasons why blockchains are often referred to as immutable or uh, immutable, meaning that they cannot be uh, manipulated. And that is because of the consensus algorithm. Um, you know, that consensus needs to be reached across the tens of thousands of computers that process these transactions, making them very, very secure compared to traditional finance infrastructure. So that's a very, very base level. The most common use case of this technology and what Bitcoin is known for is, is being a financial instrument, right? As to whether or not Bitcoin is a security or not, I mean, it, it, 
I think it would be if Satoshi Nakamoto came out of the woodwork and like ripped off the veil and said, Hey, you know, it was I who did it. <laughs> um, then the SEC would have a finger to point at, or, you know, regulators would have a finger to point and say, okay, you created a security, but they don't. And because of that, I think Bitcoin exists as an, an asset class, all of its own. And, um, um, you know, I think over the next few years, what you're going to witness and what we're already witnessing is that um, largely the entire financial sector is beginning to use this blockchain technology because it solves a lot of the inefficiencies of uh, existing financial and banking infrastructure. So a little bit of a long-winded answer there, but that is kind of the baseline of where we're at. As to why Bitcoin is valuable, well, uh, you'll probably hear a lot of maximalists out there, Bitcoin maximalists, uh, saying, well, it's the technology, it's wholly new, and it's independent and all of that. Ultimately, Bitcoin is a very speculative asset, um, you know, and, and meaning that it only has value because people put their faith in those assets, um, which is why over the past uh, few years, since that 2017 big boom when Bitcoin ran up to $20,000, you started to see the emergence of these new stabilized assets called stablecoins. And these are cryptocurrencies that take um, that take physical real world assets. In the case of load, we take uh, real physical gold, real physical silver, and we tokenize it, uh, meaning that every single one of our, our coins, so to speak, is representative of one gram of vaulted audited insured silver. And similarly, uh, one milligram of vaulted and audited and insured gold for our AUX coins. And so whereas assets like Bitcoin are highly speculative. These have real tangible assets backing them, these stable coins. And you're, that's your USDC and your USDT and the Chinese one that they're talking about putting on the blockchain. Then there's a third type of cryptocurrency. And I swear I'll kind of let you get back into it and sound in just a minute here. But this is your Ethereum's. Uh, this is your, this is your uh, NEOs. This is your trons of the world these assets are essentially like an operating system for blockchains um meaning that it they make it easy for projects to build on top of them to put their uh assets into into circulations whether that's a an equity or or a payment instrument or what have you right so um these types of blockchains basically serve as operating systems for for people to go in and, and uh, tokenize their projects right making it a very very valuable use case and why i think ethereum is actually highly undervalued but that's another conversation um is because they provide a platform for people to enter into the blockchain industry so these largely consist of the three different types of cryptocurrencies you'll see in the market and each one of them has a different use case as to why they are considered valuable so back over to you Nitsan. okay wow that that definitely was a mouthful um <clears throat> all right so we have we have the coins we have some coins that are backed by hard uh assets like the gold and silver correct mm -hmm. correct yep now um oh we have a question here from uh, one of our listeners i respect your honesty and hard work experts tonve jim song safadian armadios um no besides bitcoin alts aren't sound incentive always to print like that okay not sure if that was a question or database fulfills any unsound blockchain faster and just as secure okay well thanks for that comment um so let me ask you so these cryptocurrencies, right? These digital currencies, are they just there for people to trade like a stock to go back and forth or can they actually be used to buy tangible assets? It really depends on the currency. I am, lots of them are treated as purely speculative assets. However, 
um, projects like ours have a conceded effort to make them practical, not just speculative, meaning that you can go to your grocery store and buy uh, your groceries with digital gold and digital silver, or you can go to um, or, you know, a coffee shop and, and pay. This is one of the areas in which the industry is still developing, right? So there's been this big enthusiasm for the technology as a whole, um, but the practical application of it, we're not there in terms of adoption yet. And part of what we do in the product uh, and the product side of things is how do we make this as easy to use as a tap and spend debit card um, so that grandma doesn't need to think about it being on a blockchain in order to <clears throat> in order to uh, go make a purchase. And that's really the point where we need to get to when uh, you go to a store, you're not thinking about really or at least most people don't think about the underpinnings of how Visa technology works. But almost every conversation you have where you talk about blockchain, you're thinking about how does this blockchain actually function? So when we get to that point where you don't even need to think about it anymore, that's when I'll know that mass adoption has really, really hit um, the mainstream. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're also seeing now um, a lot of coins coming to market. There's all, you know, every other day we hear of another coin, right? Like now I just saw an article saying that Elon Musk just created his own coin, Ratcoin. Not sure if that's true or not, right? So can anybody create a digital currency and put it on the market? And, and, and you know, we, I'm also seeing a lot of these um, different wallets, right? So how, can, how do people trade them and, and work with them? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the short answer is if you are a developer, yes, you can create your own blockchain. Yes, you can create your own blockchain assets and, uh, you know, start pitching people. Where you're going to run into trouble is um, regulation and credibility to the point that uh, uh, the gentleman that was just on the screen was making as well. He's saying, oh, don't trust altcoins, only Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there is a valid use case for that uh, justification for that perspective because, um in the 2017 boom, what we saw is lots of people started jumping on this bandwagon and creating projects that really had no pro a purpose and they created an exit scam. So uh, yes, you can create these these different assets. Um, you can use a, a platform blockchain like, like Ethereum, for example, uh, and release an ERC-20 token, or you can go ahead and try writing your own blockchain. Um, what's gonna happen though is when you use something that is really popular, like an ERC, an Ethereum token, right? When you use an Ethereum token, there are going to be more wallets out in the world that can support that infrastructure. They've already built and know how to use the Ethereum blockchain. So if you go and you create your own crypto asset and you say, hey, developers, you your wallet should support my, my cryptocurrency asset. Those developers then have to learn how you've coded that blockchain and how to support it in order to it, integrate it into your wallet. So you're going to have a harder time with that. Um, and these wallets um, that we're talking about, these are basically your safety deposit boxes for your money. Leaving your cryptocurrency on an exchange puts you at risk because exchanges can get hacked and all the money is essentially centralized. Um, private wallets like a ledger that you that or a treasure that you've probably heard about in the media or the news, these things, um, these things take them off of um, public exchanges and in, and give you what's called your private keys. And these private keys are the only way in which anyone can withdraw from the wallet, right? So they are very much like your safety deposit box. And, um, you know, mobile wallet solutions like ours are kind of a hybrid where people can hold and see their digital wallets, but they can also use them practically um, for, for conducting, conducting trading commerce and so forth. So that is a very light touch uh, perspective on the different wallets that presently exist. You have what we call hot wallets, which are exchanges. You have your hybrid wallets, which are meant for day-to-day -day use. And then you have your safety deposit boxes, which is like your ledgers and your treasures.
So, okay. So let me see if I understand. So let's say, so we have this thing called Coinbase, right? Yeah. That would be, that would be a digital wallet, right? Or is that a, uh, a, yeah, platform, so it's a an exchange platform? It's an exchange platform okay. that, and it gives its users digital wallets, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, largely what happens is, um, what you see on your screen and when you make a purchase on Coinbase, you are not, um, moving blockchains at all. They hold all of the blockchain. They hold all the assets in a central account, right? And they, they give you a pseudonym and they say, okay, this is your, this is the amount that you've bought. When you go to withdraw, then they say, okay, we owe you this much. And they actually issue the transaction to the wallet destination on your choosing. But this is what makes exchanges vulnerable is because if someone were to uh, gain access to uh, Coinbase's servers, they would have access to all this currency. Right. right. Um, versus uh, you keeping it in a private wallet that is, you know, secure where you are the only person with the access code. And so long as you're not pu publishing that access code out in the world, your assets are safe. However, if you have it on your private wallet, you can't exchange, right? You can't buy and sell. You would have to then upload it to a Coinbase, for example, there you and go. then do the transaction. You're getting it. There you go. Right. Um, <laughs> I remember that there was a uh, a platform that was hacked not too long ago, I think a year ago or so. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we saw several throughout the, the past 2017. And this is why you'll see a lot of people in the cryptocurrency community be big advocates for having private wallets, which are secure, because that is the, the closest thing to a central point of failure, right? Uh, exchanges can get hacked, and they have been hacked, and your money can be at risk. Um, and we don't want that. We want everybody to to enjoy the benefits of the wealth appreciation that they're experiencing in the industry. Right. So now if you take, if you take, let's say you've got Bitcoin on, on a Coinbase platforms mm -hmm. and you put that into your digital private wallet, um, the value still increases, right? You're still enjoying the value, the appreciation yep. and so forth without it being on the exchange. You're not losing out on any of, of that appreciation or anything, correct? Yeah, correct. It's just a matter of, it's like, uh, it's like actually going to sell physical gold and silver to use a metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. uh, just because you hold the physical gold in a vault in your house doesn't mean that when gold does goes up that you don't experience the benefit of that. It just means that when you're ready to sell that, you have to take it out of your vault and go to the, uh, the bullion dealer and liquidate it. Similarly, right. Uh, the same concept applies with your cryptocurrency, right? So you have it in your private safety deposit box, your private wallet. And when you're ready to liquidate it, you can go put that asset on an exchange and trade it. And trade got it. it. Got it. Okay. So let, let's, let's shift a little bit. We were talking a little bit about Bitcoin and whatnot. What was the whole craze about Dogecoin? To be honest, I'm still trying to understand it myself. So like, did, like you got to understand Dogecoin was literally created as a meme and developers, I think, are some of the biggest meme lords out there. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I think, you know, it's uh, it's it's the fine wine of Internet humor in my humble in my humble opinion. Um, but, um, you know, it has an unlimited supply. The way that the algorithm works is that it will always pump more into circulation, making it a very, very risky investment that I would only advise to people who are traders and understand how uh, trading actually works. This is not a beginner token or coin, so to speak. Um, but even the founder, you know, very publicly said, this is a meme. This is a joke. And uh, despite that, Elon Musk has been pumping it like crazy, mm -hmm. um, getting, you know, and now, and now you're seeing companies and institutions actually like want to practically apply Dogecoin as a functional currency. Um, and I think, I think it, it, it's, it's a joke that got out of control and has now morphed into something else. 
Um, and that's, and that's really all there is to it at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, it's just the joke that keeps on giving it for the cryptocurrency space, fitting right in there with HODL and Lambos on the moon. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Huh? It's amazing how how a joke can just take off like that and and make people tons of money. Well, I mean, people make people tons of money, but uh, you know there have been people that got burned really, really hard by it um, to the point where the founder was getting death threats and oh, wow. yeah, like actual death threats from people. And he's like, "You guys don't understand. This thing is autonomous. It operates without any my input whatsoever. I cannot turn this thing off." right hmm. so it's important that people understand that yes you know like any speculative asset if elon musk goes on and says this is a great thing he's going to have a movement of people that go in and cause a buying spur but um you know unless you're trying to time the market exactly right and you get in there you do run the risk of getting burned pretty badly right so i mean so the value of a coin is basically it's kind of a stock so to speak you know people buy it the value goes up people sell it the value goes down is, is that a fair assessment i would say for most cryptocurrencies yeah they essentially operate as stocks which is why you've seen regulators like the sec come after a lot of these projects is because they they just because you have it on a different technology doesn't mean that it's not what it is right and the only reason i think um um, certain uh, certain blockchains or certain projects like Bitcoin have gotten away with it is again because the SEC has nobody to point a finger at, mm -hmm. right? They they can't right. sue somebody who doesn't exist or they right. don't know who it is. So because of that, Bitcoin kind of gets around it. Um, but you know, Ethereum uh, has went through a lengthy legal battle where it fought for its uh, justification that it's not a security because it has the practical application of of being a platform having functional practical application beyond simple appreciation and depreciation that made it not a security. Um, but I would say, yes, most, most unbacked, um, unbacked cryptocurrency projects in the market today, unless you're doing something really practical with it are probably stocks or the equivalency of. Okay. All right. So let's, let's get a little practical. Okay. For our listeners out there who, you know, they hear crypto, they see what's going on. They're, they're, they heard, oh, there's Dogecoin, there's Safe Moon now, this this thing also Safe Moon, right? Mm. What talk to them about how to start, what to look for, what to invest in, what is a good, you know, just so that they can kind of wrap their heads around if they do want to get into the crypto world of investing. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, I'm biased. I'm going to say head over to loadpay.com, download the mobile wallet and start buying digital gold and silver in seconds. And that's a really good way to start because it's using a stable real world asset as your entry point. You could also, uh, you know, go on uh, an exchange and purchase, um, you know, an exchange, uh, an exchange like Coinbase, like an exchange like Coinbase or Binance is a really popular one. Although I don't know if Binance is accessible in the United States. I'm in Western Canada. So look up who's acceptable in your region and and pick pick your favorite one that you that you think gives you the best vibes uh, based on your own personal research and uh, register an account with that person. And usually you're going to have to do what's called KYC. KYC means know your client. Uh, it's there to you know, protect uh, the companies from fraud. It's there to protect you from fraud. It's there to make sure that we're all that we're all good with each other. Um, mm -hmm. Then you could probably buy, go ahead and buy uh, whatever crypto asset the exchange lists using your your debit or credit card. I am not a financial advisor, but my personal suggestion is you should probably definitely hold some Bitcoin and some Ethereum as your baseline. 
right? I think that it, there is still lots of room to go there. I think there will be a correction in the market. I'm not saying it's just going to go up forever, you know, mm -hmm. laws of gravity <laughs> and market psychology sure. apply. Sure. Um, Everything is cyclical, right? What goes up comes right. down then goes back up. Exactly. Right. So, but that being said, I do think in the long term, Bitcoin is, is destined for even greater heights. Similarly with Ethereum, I think even at the $2,000 mark that we're seeing right now, it is still very undervalued. Um, and if it can solve some of the scalability issues that it's presently facing, I think it, it will be very similar to what we saw with the Apple stock, um, you know, mm -hmm. after the release of the iPhone. Um, mm -hmm. So um, those two are your baseline. Uh, from there, it's really going to be about what do you want to invest in, much like you would with any traditional investment. I personally look for things that are stable uh, or have intangible value. Again, gold, silver, two big markets out there that already exist in traditional ecosystems. So those make great pieces of my portfolio. Um, and then I look for for really interesting innovation. So, for example, um, there are companies out there applying, um, you know, uh, blockchain technology to the real estate industry. Right. And uh, like fractional ownership of real estate through blockchain uh, assets. And, and so companies like that, that's a real that's a real world use case. It's a real world application. Yes. this uh, And and of course, check who is actually involved and where their funding comes from, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do all that due diligence. But that would seem like a company that will actually go places. If somebody says to me, I'm doing social media on the blockchain, you know, I tend to my eyes tend to glaze over a little bit because as your your person uh that commented uh before not everything is the right use case for a blockchain blockchains are great where anything where where document keeping and ledger keeping is really central to your best practices that's where it's going to make sense um so social media doesn't really have that requirement and to put social media on a blockchain would be really really inefficient so mm -hmm. it's not a great idea but medical records you know really, really, really practical application, right? And never, never lose your medical records ever again, never have to deal with the latency of having that sent over. You could just send your medical record to your doctor like that. And it would be, you know, solve so many issues, especially in developing nations. Again, um, there are companies out there who are doing digital identity on blockchain. So there's a huge section of the global population that's unbanked, underbanked, and can't get bank accounts because they don't have any ver way of verifying their identity. And so these projects are going out there trying to give these people these digital sort of passports to so that they can access the digital economy. So as you can see here, I'm painting a picture of really uh, interesting and in, in practical applications of this technology. And so when I look to invest, that's where I tend to look. Um, there are probably um, a lot of altcoin um, enthusiasts out there who who like to believe that their coin will win overall because their coin is faster or something like that. But um, I think that race has already been won. We already have assets and tokens that can go really, really fast. I think you need more than that to have a really viable uh, project in place, right? So mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my psychology of how I how I look at the market. Back over to you, Nitsen. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, so so you, you, you mentioned putting doctor's records on blockchains yeah so all right let, let's dive into that a little bit because it, it sounds a little strange to me and i'm sure it sounds you know it's, it's very different for people because it's a different way of thinking right now yeah. um how would you go about putting records and and banking statements and financials on a blockchain and what would be the benefit of that yeah for sure um Sorry, we got somebody with a car alarm going off here. Um, so, Is it, I hope it's not your car. No, it's not my car. <laughs> um, that being said, 
the way that it works is um, it's not too bad, is it? I can go try. No, and no, no, it's, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So essentially, the way that it works right now is that um, people would enter information uh, to into a token or onto a token in a certain format, right? Um, much like you would your traditional medical records. Mm -hmm. And um, once uh, once uh, you know that information has been committed, it's essentially immutable. Let's say it's on a public blockchain like Ethereum. It's now forever recorded. This is your height. This is your weight. This is your medical condition at this date and time, and so on and so forth, right? And now uh, this information can live in a safe and secure in a safe and secure fashion that will never be subject to to loss or um, or manipulation or anything like that. I'm not saying anyone would manipulate your medical records, but you re completely remove the element for for human for human error from that. And then mm -hmm. let's say I grow uh, cross country and um, you know something happens to me. The chances of you carrying your medical records around in your right. it's, it's it's slim to none. But you could send somebody this blockchain asset, you know, on the Ethereum blockchain, and they could open it up and open uh, open the document up, and they would be able to access this information. Um, so, the, so as you can see in con in certain contexts and situations, this is really valuable. Maybe somebody is jaw and jumping between experts and uh, between expert and expert and expert, you know, and they need multiple opinions on certain things. So, um, this creates a, a secure ledger of someone's entire medical history, which, um, could be very, very beneficial for the industry. Right. And at least that's the case that some of these institutions are, are making, you know, that's not my field of expertise. So what I painted mm -hmm. was a hypothetical. Um, um, but, but as you can see that kind of record keeping and having really concise, um, uh, and, um, like really, 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 um, I guess accessible. Well, not just accessible, but, um, yeah, I, I let's run with accessible for now. The word escapes me. I had it, <laughs> it ran away from me. It'll come back. But, um, you know, having that, having that, that stuff easily accessible is, is of value to the industry, right? Because, um, medical records do get lost. Things, mm -hmm. uh, do slip through the cracks. Sure. That human component is something that a lot of industries suffer from. And if just having it in this digital format, um, uh voting recording is being proposed yeah robert i love that one i once wrote a whole like essay on how voting could be revolutionized with with blockchain like direct democracy becomes all of a sudden way more possible through this technology right um you know so uh hopefully hopefully i'm uh at least with the context of the medical records i'm painting a somewhat of a clear idea of how that could be applied and why that would be valuable um, yeah, my absolutely. point, my point here is though, the larger point here though, is that beyond just speculative assets, this technology has a lot to get excited about. And if this company used blockchain technology and they put uh, a, a currency out as something to buy and trade on an exchange, I would buy it. I'd buy the hell out of it. Right? Mm. Um, so I just wanted to paint that picture that the practical application is there. And you're going to see a lot more of that come forward uh, over the next few years. Right. So I, I know that people today can, you, you can invest in coins and you can invest in the actual blockchain as well. Is that right? Well, yeah, yeah. you can invest in companies. Uh, you can in companies invest in, that, that, that build the blockchains. Yeah. You can invest in right? companies or you can invest in these coins. It, like if you're going to say you're investing in the blockchain physically, that's, that's basically buying Bitcoin. Right? Mm -hmm. You're, mm -hmm. Bitcoin isn't one central institution. There is a nonprofit organization of developers that maintain it. And, and try to, you know, improve it. But uh, again, nonprofit. Um, and and um, 
you know, the technology just exists autonomously. The supply is limited and people are buying into it because they believe that it has a lot of room to grow in terms of appreciation. Um, right. You know, and yeah. most of the most of those tokens are just are just tokens with no real. I shouldn't say no real, but they they basically try to serve the same role as Bitcoin. It is that people think that the project is great and so it will go up, making them effectively stocks. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right, yeah, you know, years ago when Bitcoin first came out, people going, "Oh, it's just a fad. It's just a fad. It's going to disappear." It's becoming more of a trend now. It's becoming more of a a stable. Not I wouldn't say stable, but more of a. a uh, a, a, an asset that is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think if you look at major, uh, most major financial institutions around the world, they're all opening up blockchain departments and they're all figuring out how to integrate blockchain into their business model. Uh, you know, Visa is now saying that they're going to settle to to uh, U.S. stable coins. Um, PayPal saying we accept Bitcoin. Tesla saying we accept Bitcoin. It was really interesting though because when when Bitcoin first really started to blow up at like 20 2016 2017 time frame there it was really intimidating to the entire financial sector because uh it meant that people could transfer value without any input from the existing banking infrastructure mm -hmm. it, it flipped the whole model on its head and there was this considerable effort to say mm -hmm. you know oh banks are going to go going to go away now of course i don't think right. the banking industry is going anywhere but mm -hmm. it was very very intimidating so you had people like jamie diamond you know go on public television and say Bitcoin's a scam, but in the same breath, JP Morgan Chase swoops up huge <laughs> swaths of Bitcoin. So it was very, very duplicitous. You know, they wanted to control the market because they didn't have any control in the market. And now we're at a point where, yes, there's a lot more regulation around it. And they're, uh, these, these banks have figured out how to integrate this into their bank model. So now they're all coming out of the woodwork and being like, yeah, no, this is legitimate. And this is, this is here to stay. Mm hmm. Right. A crazy idea is crazy until it's not until it's not. Right. <laughs> well said. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, this 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 evolving technology is just changing rapidly on a daily basis. Um, are there any publications, any newsletters that you can recommend for people to continue to, to read and to get educated on this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cointelegraph is a really is probably the most popular one out there on the web. Um, there's uh, Bitcoin News. Uh, most uh, most of your your top twenty you know publications, your tech crunches, and your Forbes out in the world will now have blockchain and finance sections or blockchain sections within their finance sections. Um, so the wealth of information the wealth of information is is out there into the world today. Um, and honestly, you know, you said it's changing every day and you, that couldn't be more true to the point. I think it's really uh, important to stay up to date on things um, because, you know, every time I open my eyes, somebody is doing something new and wild and crazy in this space. And um, and the window of opportunity to participate in this kind of stuff is really, really small. Usually mm -hmm. what happens with these kinds of trends is we're kind of on the tail end of it. Right. Uh, or we come in midway through the the adoption cycle. Um, versus where we're at right now with blockchain, I'd argue that we're probably at the very beginning of the early majority, right? So that 2017 boom was early adopters uh, coming away from the innovators, which took us from 2011 to the 2016, 2017 timeframe. Now we're at the point where, you know, everybody's kind of heard about Facebook and uh, kids and teenagers are still interested in it, but your grandma doesn't know how to use it yet. You know, when we start hitting the point, when we hit start hitting the point where Bitcoin is no longer cool, that's when I know we've we've really made it in the world. Right, right, absolutely. So let me. Ask, so what what does you know? You said load mm -hmm. um, is backed by gold and silver, right? Yep. 
what does that do for the coin? Yeah, for sure. You know, if somebody's asking, you know, well, what, you know, what's the difference? Right? Why should I look at a coin that is backed by a hard asset, something yeah. like gold and, and silver? That's a that's a great question to ask, and um, I'll I'll do a little bit of clarification. Load is the name of the project, but we and we produce um, cryptocurrencies that are backed by gold and silver. So we have our AGX coin, which AG being silver on the um, on the table is, yeah. um, and AU being gold, right? Uh, every AGX is backed by one gram of vaulted, audited, and insured silver. One AUX is one milligram of vaulted, audited, and insured uh, gold per per coin. And um, the benefit of this kind of uh, asset is is largely stability and as a hedge against inflation. So yes, okay, you're going to experience great wins with bitcoins. Eventually, you're going to want to take your wins, right? Um, but Historically speaking, fiat currencies tend to depreciate over time, the US dollar being a great example, losing 90% of its purchasing power over the past 100 years. And then you've got mm -hmm. situations like, uh, you know, Venezuela, where where they're going into hyperinflation. And, uh, you know, I just spoke on another podcast with a gentleman who lived through the hyperinflation that happened in Zimbabwe, right, versus assets like gold and silver, which, you know, are two of the world's oldest monetary metals, meaning that we've used them as money functionally throughout most of history. And they've done a great job of preserving their wealth and purchasing power, um, you know, in the market. Um, so they make they make a compelling case for where you should take your wins and how you should store your wins compared to storing those wins in something like uh, a US dollar stable coin or something to that effect. And part of the reason load exists is to to see these assets restored not just as again speculative tools but as practical money out there in the world um you know i think a huge chunk of the core founding group of the load project had this firm belief that um you know money was better when it was backed by tangible assets and we're mm -hmm. taking this old standard that is really well understood and a applying the benefits of modern technology so we don't have to walk around like pirates with a bunch of gold and silver bags attached to our hips mm -hmm. yeah so that's really the justification for why why we um why we we produce digital gold and digital silver interestingly enough though uh, there are lots of gold competitors in the market i wouldn't say that when it comes to gold we're unique but um it's odd because silver is a huge commodity right it's 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 ten thousand use cases it's one of the biggest commodities in the world and yet in the cryptocurrency space, almost nobody has really successfully hit the major mainstream market yet. So I believe there's a felt need there as well, even from if you're just interested in trading these assets, if you're a silver bug and you trade silver ETFs and you just care about the speculation side of it, there's a felt need in the cryptocurrency market that it hasn't been addressed yet. The crown hasn't been taken, so to speak. And I think that we have a, a very strong shot to make that happen. That's awesome. That's great. There's, I, I got to tell you, there's so much information. This, this, it, it's, it's. It, there's so much information, and you can go in so many different directions with the with with the cryptocurrency. You know, I'm waiting for the day where you know I can buy apartment complexes using Bitcoin or or other cryptocurrencies. Do you think that there are going to be coins that are going to be backed? buy real estate like your coin was backed by gold and silver do you think there would be anything of that nature oh, or, is, or is real estate a little too volatile and and you know no not at all i think i think mm -hmm. i think there are already probably projects that are out there in fact i know there are projects out there that are uh trying to put um um coins like this together i don't know them off the top of my head because again mm -hmm. so much innovation is taking place that you kind of got to pick your arena and stick in it otherwise you'll just go crazy and lose a lot of sleep 
but I know that projects out there are approaching similar things. And we've seen uh, attempts for other uh, commodities such as oil, um, which has been pretty volatile over the past little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, diamonds, uh, real estate, again, even, even ones that are representations of energy, uh, like actual electricity um, that are being uh, produced and in the works right now. So um, the short answer to your question is, is yes. And the long answer to your question is over the next five to 10 years, I think almost all transactions are going to make a shift over to using blockchain in some format of another, whether it's a cryptocurrency token or whether it's an actual practical application. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Last topic that I want to cover um, is mining, right? Sure. A lot of people go out there and, you know, we hear or I hear and I see a lot on social on the different social media platforms where people are mining coins. Right. right. They're going out there and they're creating the coins for themselves. You know, they're mining Doge or they're mining Ethereum or they're mining Bitcoin. What are your thoughts on that? Should somebody who's not, you know, should somebody think about mining coins so that they can do it without buying into a coin? Is there a benefit to mining or should we stay away from it? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic to encroach on, right? What you're doing is you're essentially pro you're, you're hooking your computer or your processor up to the, up to the blockchain network of your choosing, whether that's Bitcoin, Doge, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you're, you're, basically uh, helping it solve cryptographic equations and process the transaction. So you're, you're one of those thousands of computers that are now processing Bitcoin transactions. And for your effort, your computer rewards you with a little bit of Bitcoin. That's your little slice of the pie for the effort. Mm -hmm. um, Bitcoin is a very, very expensive network to mine on. Um, it, 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 it requires a strong level of processing from your computer. Uh, and this is why you see whole warehouses stored with, stored with nothing but uh, processors. And the amount you've heard, probably heard stories about the amount of heat generation that is caused oh, yeah. because it mm -hmm. is so intensive on this, on this hardware to make it happen. So that being said, you have, um, you have apps now that are coming out that allow you to mine just even off of your phone. So yes, you can mine Bitcoin. I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to do it like a mobile version of it or just a simple little laptop version of it, do not expect to earn one Bitcoin in your, in your <laughs> lifetime or anything close to that. There again, is there a limited amount of Bitcoin out there? But, um, as a result, as a result of that, you know, sure, you'll get a little bit on the side. And if Bitcoin goes up in appreciation, it might be a good way to earn a little bit of side income. Other blockchains though, um, aren't as saturated. Um, and there's, there's more ground to claim and it's less, uh, well, it's it's more energy efficient as well. So meaning that you you won't have to always be going out and buying the newest processor in order to keep up to date with things. So, um, you know, if you are a developer or if you're interested in, in getting a mining rig going, there's lots of public information out there uh, to, to how to get started with that. And I would look for blockchains that have a little bit of adoption that have proven um, the proven uh, demand in the market. Right. And and see what you can do to get involved there. Um, versus potentially something like Bitcoin, because you're probably going to get a little bit more in terms of your returns and the amount of these coins that you appreciate. And if you really believe in the project, um, you know, eventually if those coins appreciate, then you then you could be laughing all the way to the bank. So, right. Yeah, that's always good. Uh, we have uh, Robert saying, are nodes, node uses and alts similar to Bitcoin? Um, there are uh, different... Uh, I'm not entirely sure on that, but there are different uh, types of of mining that take place. There is a proof of stake, and there is uh, a proof of work. 
Um, and to be honest, uh, we're getting a little bit into the extent of my knowledge. I work in the realm specifically of um, product design and how do we bring this product to market in a functional way. If you're really interested in uh, development and protocol level questions, the best place you're going to go is on something like BitcoinTalk.org. Um, you know, really great uh, forum um, for for people who are interested in learning about blockchain and more of the sophisticated algorithmic side of things. Awesome. Well, hey, Nick, it was it was incredible. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners are are, a lot, are have learned a lot. How can people reach you? Get more information on on your product, on your coins, and and what you're doing. For sure. So if you want to try out our mobile wallet and get started and maybe get your hands on a little digital gold and silver, uh, you can head over to loadpay.com. Uh, you can check us out on our social media channels at loadpay media on a lot of them. Um, on the website, you can join our telegram channel. If you want to talk with me directly or ask me some questions, we got a really friendly group of people who are, uh, just so pumped about getting people excited about the industry and the space. Um, and you can always reach out to me on, uh, Twitter as well. Tell me all the things I got wrong on today's video uh, at Nicholas Proughton on Twitter. Uh, and that, that should be it. If that being said, if you are uh, a sophisticated inventor, investor, you want to take a, a long, hard look at this project and the technological underpinnings, uh, where are we going? What's our roadmap? Those kinds of uh, due diligence questions. I'd recommend heading over to load.one, L-O-D-E dot one. Um, and that's that where O-N-E? O-N-E, yeah. That's where your all that important investor information is is going to be for you um, to to feel comfortable with the platform. Awesome. Well, hey Nick, thank you so much for being on on today's show. You've enlightened us, and uh, you've really, you know, with with as much information as you've given, there's a lot of clarification and a lot of clarity as well. So, thank you so much for for being on the show. We appreciate it. Absolutely, Nitsan. It's been a pleasure. And travelers, uh, you know, we're going to be here next week, same time, same station, maybe somewhere else, somewhere different on, on planet Earth. Uh, next week, we're going to have Brett Stewart, who I was on his show yesterday, and we're going to talk about capital gains tax deferral. You can, when you sell a property, when you sell a coin, when you sell an asset that you have and you have profit, how can you defer those capital gains so that you don't pay taxes on them and you can roll that into something else? So he's going to be on the show next week. So, so tune in. It's going to be a fantastic show. I've also got my $7 perfect money raising system happening now, and I'm continuing with my buy one, get one group coaching and my six week master course is starting May 3rd for only $97. And we're going to go week by week. And we're going to break down the system of how you can go out and buy apartment complexes so that you can create passive cash flow, buy some cryptocurrency if you want, and create the lifestyle of your dreams. Until then, I'm Nitsan Mosby, the traveling investor. Have a wonderful week. Stay tuned and be well. Take care.